so good that we have God's word. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning about a worthy birth from Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are one hundred and thirty million babies born worldwide per year, one hundred and thirty million babies per year. You do the math. Um, and uh, I'll let somebody else do it for me on this website that I found these statistics. But 361,481 babies are born worldwide per day. So let that number sink in for a minute. Three, little over 360,000 babies are born every single day. Per minute, 251 babies. Every minute, 251 babies. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't wrap my mind around those numbers and all of those crying babies. That is a lot. I mean, you would think if that many babies are being born per minute, there would just be this cry that you could hear from outer space, right? Uh, but uh, at least that's what it sounds like when the one in my house is screaming. Uh, but, but despite the hundreds of billions of babies and that, that estimate is right, okay? I, I did do the math on that. Hundreds of billions of babies that have been born in our world. Only one birth split history in two. Only one birth was prophesied thousands of years ahead of time. Only one birth was announced by a multitude of angels. Only one birth was good news from God. Only one birth is worthy of worship. And we want to talk about that birth this morning as we look at this passage in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It's a familiar passage to you, I'm sure. But we're going to pick up here after uh, Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem. She's given birth to this firstborn son. She's wrapped him in swaddling cloths. She's laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And we're going to pick up in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you just take this passage this morning? This probably very familiar 
passage to us. Some of us maybe have even memorized it at some point or another. Father, I pray that you would speak the truths that have always been in this passage to our hearts in a new and fresh way this morning. Father, would our hearts be humble before you? Father, give us teachable spirits. Help us desire just to grow in our awareness of who Christ is and grow in our worship and adoration of Him. Father, would you work in our hearts as you desire today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you this morning five truths concerning the worthiness of the birth of Jesus so that you will consider Jesus worthy of your life. I want to share with you five truths concerning the worthiness of Jesus' birth so that you will consider Jesus worthy of your life. I'm just going to be just right up front with you this morning. My, my desire is that we walk out of here today worshiping Jesus for who He is. That He is the center of our lives. If you, are, if you are a follower of Christ and you are seeking to walk with the Lord, and I know many of you are, praise God for that. I, I, just, I want us to walk out just worshiping Jesus even more than we did when we walked in. Just ready to serve Him and lay down our lives for Him. Today, if you're here and you are not a follower of Jesus, you've heard about Jesus, you, you, you know some things about Him, you may know that in this passage, and you could, you could pass a, a quiz about the Christmas story, great. But you have not trusted Christ alone, and, and you are not living your life for the glory of Jesus. My, my desire for you today is that you would... Get this glimpse, this, this snapshot of Jesus just from his story of his birth. This one of the places in Scripture where we have a description of the birth of our Savior. And it, it would lead you, not me, not my words, but God's word through his spirit would lead you, convicting your heart, leading you to trust Christ alone for salvation so that you then can live your life for the only one who is worthy of it. First truth is this. The birth of Jesus was a birth worthy of angelic proclamation. The birth of Jesus was a birth worthy of angelic proclamation. Now, whenever you have a, have a child, you want people to know about it. There's this desire in you to make an announcement, to proclaim, hey, he's here, she's here. We have this new life that God has given to us. We want people to know. Maybe there's different ways and uh, different ways even in the past that we've done that. Um, even today, still, you can do birth announcements and you can mail those out. Perhaps some of you have done that before. Kind of like a Christmas card, but you put a picture of your baby on that little card and you put some information. You can go online and, and you can learn. And in case you're, you, you just don't know how to say our baby is here, you can actually go online and do some research and you can learn how to announce that your baby is, has arrived. You know that? You know that's how dumb we are? Today that we have to be told how to say our baby is here. And, and you know what you know what the instructions say if you go and look this up? It says the first thing that you want to start with is an introduction. No way. You want to start with an introduction. And it says and this is what it says. It can be as simple as we welcome. Dot dot dot. We welcome our baby. That can be your introduction. I'm like, man, we we needed the internet to tell us that. Wow. But I'm gonna I'm gonna guarantee you. That whether your announcement is coming out from, from, from in, a, in a card, you're mailing it out, or maybe you're making that announcement on Facebook, no, no baby's announcement, the birth of a baby, no announcement 
has angels proclaiming that that baby has arrived. Only the birth of Jesus has that. And notice the introduction to this announcement. It's not just we welcome baby Jesus. Notice how this introduction starts. As the shepherds are keeping watch over their flock by night, the angel of the Lord appears to them, glory of the Lord around them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The angel says to them, fear not. Can you imagine sending out a, 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 a baby announcement that our child is here or maybe putting that post on Facebook and you start, don't be afraid, anybody. The baby's here. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Why would, why would we introduce our baby with the words fear not? Well, because nobody is scared of our children, because nobody's scared of us. Well, some children, maybe we should be scared of, but nobody's scared of me. Nobody's scared of me when I make that. And when I say I have an announcement to make, nobody goes, oh, my goodness. But when an angel appeared in the middle of the night to some shepherds, they were, oh, my goodness, what is this? The, the, the verse right before says that they were filled with fear. And so the angel lovingly sent from the Lord starts this announcement out. Don't be afraid. As this angel looks at the shuddering shepherds, that angel says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What an introduction to the announcement of the birth of a baby. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that would be for all people. It would be foolish if some, someone here started out the announcement of the birth of their baby that way. But it wasn't foolish for the angel to start that announcement out this way because this was Jesus. This was the birth of a Savior. This was the birth of the Son of God. I want you to notice the source of this news. The source of this news speaks to the need for it to be an angelic proclamation, an angelic announcement. The source is God. It's not just the angel that is making this announcement. It is God that is making this announcement. Notice that it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them. It's the Lord's angel that he has sent. And the glory of not the angel, but the glory of the Lord shone around this angel. This is God's announcement to them. And even if you skip down to verse 15 for a moment, notice what happens after this announcement is over. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened to us, which the angel has made known to us. If you're looking at your Bible, you should be going, whoa, you messed that up, Zach. That's not what it says. That's why you should look at your Bible. I might say the wrong thing. That time I did it on purpose. Sometimes I might do it by accident which not the angel has made known to us, but which the Lord has made known to us. Listen, if you had asked the shepherds who announced the birth of Jesus, they would have said God. And if you said, how did he do it? They would have said he sent angels to do it. But God is the one who is making this announcement. It's worthy of angelic proclamation. I want you to notice not just the source of this news, but I want you to notice the type of this news. It is good news. Whenever we think of news, we put all news into two categories, right? It's either bad news or it's good news. It's either bad news or good news. This falls in the category of good news. But this is, this is not just any kind of good news. This word, good news, that is used here is the word euangelizomai. 
You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fancy Greek word and may not mean much to you. But this word is one of the most important words in all of the Bible. I did a little research, and I'm no Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination at all. I did a little research and went through and found in the New Testament where this word is used in the Greek. And, and from what I could find, every single time this word is used, it is speaking about Jesus. This word is not used for just trivial good news, good news that might pass away. This word, euangelizomai, which is the verb, I am making good news known to you. Or, or, or the word euangelion, which is the noun, good news. Every time those are used, they're used in the context of Jesus Christ coming to rescue us from our sins. So when the angel says, I have good news for you, this isn't just any old good news. This is one of a kind, earth-changing, life-transforming good news. And after this, every time this word is used in the Bible, it is talking about Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. It is good news. For instance, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, which is another way of saying good news, which is this Greek word, and healing every disease and every affliction. Listen, this is the good news that Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. For it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want you to notice how Paul defends this gospel vehemently. I mean, he, he is beside himself when he finds that a certain group of Christians are turning to what he calls a different gospel, which he follows that up with saying is no gospel at all because there is only one good news. He says this in Galatians chapter one. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There's that word. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and who want to distort the gospel. There it is again of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, there it is again, contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. And skipping down another verse, he says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Whose gospel is it? It's the gospel that the angels announced to the shepherds. It's the gospel of God. It is God's gospel that he has made known to us. And because it is this kind of gospel, it is good news. It is gospel of great joy. It is good news. It is gospel of great joy. I want you to notice the substance of this news as well. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You could preach a whole sermon, to preach a series of sermons on that one verse. I have the time to do that today because we want to look at this whole passage, but just notice the substance of this news. Who had been born in the city of David? Listen, that should make our mind think this is a king. In the city of David, this is a king who's been born. In the city of David, a savior. This is someone who is coming to rescue people. This is a rescuer who has been born. 
He is the king. He is a rescuer. He is Christ. What is that? It's the Greek word of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means promised one. This is the one that God has been promising since Genesis chapter three. The first place we hear the good news message that there is coming a man born of woman who will destroy the enemy, who will destroy the serpent, who will destroy Satan. That is the good news of the gospel all the way back in Genesis chapter three and over and over. God has reminded his people he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And all of a sudden, a bunch of shepherds in the middle of the night, angel appears and said, he's here. He's here. This is the one. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one who has come to rescue people. And he is the Lord. He is God. This is God in human flesh. The substance of this news is that the promised divine rescuing king has arrived. And all of this makes this birth worthy of angelic proclamation. Truth number two. The birth of Jesus is a birth worthy of heavenly celebration. It's a birth worthy of heavenly celebration. Now, it's one thing to announce the birth of a baby, but it's another thing then to celebrate and have some sort of celebration. I was looking up and thinking about doing some research about how people would celebrate the birth of their baby. And uh, I came across one website that seemed like it was trying really hard to say something new. And, and so they gave this of how to celebrate a birth. Okay, you ready? Um, they said one way you could celebrate a birth is by donating to a charity. You could do that. All right. Oh, that'll work. Uh, a second way, they said you could plant a tree. That would be pretty cool, right? So as that child grows, that tree goes. I, I like that. That's neat. One, you said you could make a parenting scrapbook. I was going to be honest. If you have a baby and you also have time to make a parenting scrapbook, you better praise the Lord. All right? I don't know how that happens. Maybe they meant somebody can make a scrapbook for you. All right. Number four, they, they gave this they gave this idea. They said, I now I like this one. It's maybe my favorite one. They said, if you want to celebrate the birth of a baby, you make a, what I'm going to kind of paraphrase their wording didn't make any sense. But I don't use my words. It probably won't make any sense either. But um, an essentials slash goodie basket. You ready for the parents? I like that. That was good. Right. So they said, you think about some things that the baby might need but that the parents would like to have for the baby. You put those in there. But then you think about some things that the parents might want, you know, like some chocolate and some caffeine and that kind of stuff. You put that in the basket, you, you give that to them. That, that's a pretty good way to celebrate uh, a birth. Um, and, then, and then they said this. Uh, I've never seen one. Maybe you, you've heard this before, but he said, send them a flower card. Basically, it's a card that has flowers in it. Like, I'll just take the goodie basket, okay? I'll, 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 I'll be fine with the goodie basket. You can, uh, I, I'm not going to have time to water those uh, flowers anyways. But that was their idea of how to celebrate. I'm going to tell you something. This birth of this baby deserves more than a flower card, a scrapbook, or planting a tree. Some of those things are great. I'm not discounting some of those things. But I'm telling you, this is the Messiah who has been born. And guess what? God gives him a celebration worthy of his birth. All of a sudden, there's not one angel, but there is a multitude of heavenly hosts, a multitude of the heavenly hosts. This means there's probably thousands. OK, we're not talking about a multitude of like four or five or even a hundred, but most likely thousands of the heavenly hosts. Well, who are these heavenly hosts? 
Well, these are the angel armies of God. The angel armies of God. Psalm chapter 148, we find this, these words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. And then in Psalm chapter 103, beginning in verse 19, we find these words. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice that His angels are described as His mighty ones. And so this isn't like a choir of dainty little angels singing really high and playing little harps and and they're so cute this is like an army of angels appearing thousands of 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 mighty ones mighty ones proclaiming praising god in the highest now just imagine the shepherds for just a minute right (laughs) they probably need to hear the angels say again fear not (laughs) because they're probably still shaking right now all of a sudden i mean i mean this is just we, we really cannot cannot do justice even in our imagination to what this could have looked like. But listen, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. And so He was worthy of this kind of heavenly celebration. Notice two two substances to the celebration. Notice that they celebrate God. Glory to God in the highest. God is honored he is praised he is glorified by this baby being born why is that well, because god is the one who has promised to send this one god is the one who despite every effort of satan and every effort of sinful humans throughout history before the birth of christ to thwart god's plan his plan has not been thwarted he has kept his promises he has done it he has preserved the people of israel to bring from them this promised one he's done it this is his work but not only that this baby that's born is god it is god this is god in the manger so he gets the glory, but they don't just celebrate God, but they also celebrate something else. They say glory to God in the highest. And then they celebrate this. They say on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased or peace among those on whom his favor rests would be another way to translate that. So they don't just celebrate God, but they celebrate peace between God and man. Peace. Between God and man. That's the kind of peace that they are celebrating because that's the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring. Listen, He didn't come to bring some kind of temporary peace just for this life only. You look at your life, even as you're a Christian here today, and you say, listen, there's some things in my life that really could be described more as turmoil rather than peace. If Jesus came to bring me peace, how come my life just isn't full of peace? Well, listen, Jesus didn't come to bring a temporary peace here on this earth. He came to bring an eternal peace between you and God, which is the greatest kind of peace that you and I could ever have. He came to reconcile us to God. So if you if you miss it, miss everything else that I say today, please hang on to this. You and I come into this world separated from God. Our relationship with him is broken because we are are sinners 
Every one of us. And if we die with a broken relationship with God, then we will have a broken relationship forever and ever and ever. What that means is that we will spend eternity being punished for our sins in a place called hell that Jesus says is reserved for or created for Satan and his demons. But everyone who dies in their sin, separated from God, will spend eternity there. That's why this is the greatest peace that anyone could ever bring. We desperately need peace between us and God. And there's nothing that you and I can do to create that peace. We can't. We can't say I'm sorry enough to God. We can't do enough good things to make up for the bad things so that God will put us back into a right relationship with God. The only way that God can have peace with simple humans is for their sin to be paid for, for the punishment to be taken. He's a holy God. He has to punish sin. He cannot ignore it. He cannot excuse it. He cannot overlook it. Not for all of eternity. A price must be paid. And so Jesus, coming to make peace between us and God, came to take our place. He came to satisfy God's wrath against our sin. He came to die. Because death is the punishment for sin. It is the just consequence for our sin. The wages of sin is death, Scripture tells us. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is that possible? Because Jesus... Through his death on the cross, him taking the punishment for your sins, basically him experiencing hell on your behalf, is enough. God accepts that as payment for your sin. If you respond in faith, if you believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, that is the good news of the gospel. Jesus came and he came to die for you and for me. Let me finish up with these final three. I want to spend most of our time on those first two, but I want to finish up with these final truths about the birth of Jesus. Truth number three, the birth of Jesus is a birth worthy of active investigation. It's a birth worthy of active investigation. Look, the, the, the angels, they, they said what they said and then they left. Now the shepherds have a choice. What are they going to do with this good news that they have been told? They have just heard that Savior has arrived. The promised one, the one that God has promised for centuries and centuries to come and rescue his people. He is here. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Boom, they're gone. Shepherds look at one another. What are we going to do? What they do is they investigate the claims. They investigate. This is an announcement. This is a birth worthy of them leaving their flocks and taking the time to investigate. They gave him a sign. They said, this baby will be wrapped in swallowing claws and lying in a manger. All right, here's here's the claim. Jesus is here. A Messiah is here. He's here. And you'll find him wrapped in swallowing claws, lying in a manger. A claim has been made. Now we got to see, is it true? Is this true? I mean, did we just witness what we think we witnessed? Or did we eat something really bad for supper last night? Right? Or is this true? Truly God's word to us today. That's something that we do all the time is 
evaluate claims that have been made, right? In fact, our government has a whole organization devoted to the claims that companies made, making sure they're held accountable, that they can back up those claims. It's called the FTC. I, I, I was looking and I found some just some some claims that have just been proven not not to be true. For instance, you know those five-hour energy drinks? It's alleged that those drinks were better than coffee and that doctors recommended it. Those claims were found to be misleading, and the makers of five-hour energy were ordered to pay $4.3 million in penalties and fees. I don't know if you've ever heard of that Luminosity app, something that helps your mind. You can get it on your phone or on your tablet. Well, the Lumos Labs said that its app would help prevent Alzheimer's disease, though it had no proof. Maybe it did, but they didn't have any proof. And the company was fined $2 million by the FTC. I might disappoint some of you. I don't know. But there was an ad that showed a Nissan Frontier pushing a dune buggy up a hill in the desert like this. I don't know if you saw that one or not. I hate to, I hate to break your bubble if you own one of those. That truck can't do that. It can't do that. Not in this deep of sand. Probably this deep of sand. Probably deeper than that. That's an impossible feat. No truck, that truck can't do that. Not that truck, okay? No, no offense if you own a Nissan Frontier. Probably do lots of things. Don't get mad at me. It just can't do what they advertised that it could do. There was a, there was a sales slash diet pill. Sales slash used fake endorsements from celebrities like Oprah Winfrey to make unfounded weight loss claims about its diet pills. It was all a lie. Maybe you've heard of Eclipse Gum. Well, the Wrigley Company said that it's Eclipse Gum with magnolia bark extract. I don't even want to chew that, but anyways, could kill germs that cause bad breath. The claim was unfounded, and Wrigley agreed to pay $6 million to $7 million to settle a class action suit and pay back buyers. Maybe you've seen the commercials for the activity yogurt. Dana used actress Jamie Lee Curtis to tout, quote, scientifically proven, end quote, claims that activity helps regulate digestion and boost the immune system. A judge said Dan, in quote, simply hadn't proven, in quote, its claim and ordered the company to pay $45 million to settle that lawsuit. ADT Home Security falsely identified the safety and technology experts who endorsed its home security product as independent. In fact, those experts had been paid for their endorsements. And one final one, Skechers Shape Ups, which are some shoes, said in an advertisement that they would help wearers lose weight and tone their muscles. Those claims were deemed deceptive, and Skechers settled for $50 million, only if a pair of shoes would help me tone up my muscles. Now, all that information that I just gave you came from the Internet, so I'm not sure that you should trust any of it. I don't know. I don't have any proof to back all of that up. See, that's the point. Claims are made all the time, right? Claims are made all the time. And so we, listen, if some angels appear and they say this baby has been born and he is the one who God promised centuries and centuries and centuries ago. Listen, if someone says there is this one who can save you from your sins, it is worthy of us taking the time to investigate it. And that's exactly what they did. They say, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they get up, they go with haste. They didn't waste any time. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
They found exactly what the angel said. They took the time to investigate it and the claims of God proved to be true. Listen, the Bible can stand up to your investigation. It stood up to investigation for millennia. And the Bible has proven true. Look at the world around us. The Bible tells us that God created a world. If God created this world, then we ought to see a world that has order and has form and beauty. And that's the world that we see. We look around us and we see a world that is broken It's a beautiful creation that has been broken. We have sickness in our lives. We have hurts and we have sorrows. Guess what? God tells us in his word where that comes from. It comes from Genesis chapter three. When sin entered the world, it's called the fall. But God promised redemption. He has sent it through his son. And so we've seen human history split in two by a man who claimed to be God, who did things that only God could do, who died on a Roman cross, was laid in a tomb and who rose up from the dead. Listen, God's word can stand up to your investigation. And if you will take the time to investigate it. I think you'll be drawn to know and love this Jesus. Truth number four is a birth worthy of deep contemplation. It's a birth worthy of deep contemplation. Notice these shepherds. I'm sure as they were running to Bethlehem, they were talking to one another. If they had enough breath in their lungs going, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about what the angel says? What do you think about glory to God in the highest? What do you think about the fact that we're not supposed to be afraid that God through his angels just appeared to us? What do you think about? What do you think? Listen, we are to think deeply about Christ. We're lazy people when it comes to our minds. We are. If there's one way that we are lazy, we're lazy with our minds. We'd rather numb our minds with television or social media than we would spend time thinking about things that are important and take energy to think about. And the most important of those is Jesus Christ. Notice that it says when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They gave others an opportunity to contemplate it. And all who heard it wondered. They're thinking about it. You don't wonder if you're not thinking at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things in her in her. And what did she do? She pondered over them in her heart. She rolled them around in her mind over and over, spent time thinking deeply about it. The Bible calls this meditation in in, in Eastern religions. Meditation is trying to empty your mind from something. It's trying to. Clear your mind so that there's nothing there, which is an impossibility. Meditation in God's word is filling your mind with the truths of God and thinking about them over and over and over again. So use a kind of gross illustration for a minute. It's kind of like animals that chew the cud. You know what I'm talking about? Where they eat something and then they go sit down and later on they basically throw it up in their mouth and then they chew on it some more. That, in a weird kind of way, gross kind of way. That's that's what we need to do with the information we have in God's word, what we need to do with the message about Jesus. We need to chew on it over and over and over in our minds. Listen, it's worthy of that. I wonder, I wonder how often we just hear about Jesus or even sit in a in a church building on a Sunday morning and hear hear a message from God's word, maybe read from God's word. And it just It's just like all the other information that's in front of us 24-7. We just scroll on to the next thing. We never take time to stop, investigate it, and think deeply to contemplate it. 
Listen, you could investigate the claims and evidences and facts, but never stop to think about what it means for you and your life. Earlier I said, some of you, you could, you could pass a theology exam like that on facts about the birth of Jesus. I'm just getting new information for you. You're not learning any new facts this morning. You know all this. And there are people that have spent their lives investigating Scripture and they are on their way to hell not because they don't know enough information about Jesus, but because they've never stopped to think about what His birth and then what His death and what His resurrection means in their life. They've never taken this time to stop and think that Jesus came for them and that they need to not just know information about Jesus, but they need to know Jesus. The personal relationship. Trusting in Christ alone for salvation. Maybe that's you today. That leads us to this final truth. It leads us to this final truth. The birth of Jesus is a birth that is worthy of focused adoration. The birth of Jesus is a birth that's worthy of focused adoration. Some of you have been Christmas shopping. You've been Christmas shopping and you've been looking for that special present, for that special someone. Maybe it's a husband or a wife, or maybe it's a, a child or a grandchild, or maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a parent or a grandparent. You want that person to open Open that gift and know that you care about them. Know in some sense that you adore that person. That you, that you spend time thinking about that person. That you love that person. That you respect that person. That when that person speaks, you don't go, oh, I don't want to listen to that person. But that you pay attention. Right? That's what that word adoration shows that you care deeply. Listen, the birth of Jesus is a birth that's worthy of focused adoration. Another way we could say that when it comes to Christ is worship. Notice what happens at the end here. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, heard, as it had been told to them. Listen, it's a focused adoration. Because we don't just get to adore just anyone or anything. God is the one who sent this baby. He is the one who is worthy of worship. Do you know what worship means? When we speak about adoration in the terms of worshiping God, it means that you ascribe ultimate worth to God. It means that you say, you are more worthy of anyone or anything in my life. Let me ask you a question. Does your checkbook or your bank account or your wallet show that Jesus is more worthy than anyone or anything in your life? Let me ask you a question. Does your calendar show that Jesus is more worthy of anyone or anything in your life? Let me ask you a question. Does the words that come out of your mouth, your speech towards others, does it say Jesus is more worthy than anyone or anything in my life? Does the way that you live your life, 
the, the way that you go about your day-to-day activities, the way that you go to work and interact with your coworkers, the way that you go to school and interact with your classmates, the way that you do your job, either with integrity or without integrity, the way that you do that schoolwork, the way that you spend your free time, does it say Jesus is more worthy than anyone or anything in my life? That's what it means to focus adoration upon the one who is worthy of it. I dare say for you and I know it's true in my life. That even if I just look back over the past week, the past day, perhaps even the past four hours, I can see areas of my life where it looked like I was worthy of all worship or adoration. Because I acted selfishly. I made it look like my job was worthy because I neglected more important things for that. I made it look like stuff is worthy of my focused adoration because I was willing to spend my energies and my resources on things of this world that really were simply things I could do without for the sake of the gospel going forth. Listen, that's what it means to live a life of worship, glorifying and praising God. It doesn't mean that you just get together on the Sunday before Christmas and sing some songs about Jesus. Listen, that brings glory and honor to God. But you know what will bring Him glory and honor too? When you walk out of here and you tell someone, Jesus is worthy of my life. When you go back to school after Christmas break and you do your very best, not cheating. And as an example to those around you, of those who know that you're a Christian, and, and then you take some time to share with your classmates the good news of Jesus Christ. What will bring God honor and glory, what will be focused adoration on Him, is when you go back to work or you go to your home and there's people there who don't know Christ and you say, I want you to know, I want you to know, especially this Christmas season, why I celebrate Christmas. It's not just for the lights and the presents and those kinds of things. It's because Jesus came to reconcile me to God and He came to reconcile you to God as well. Listen, we are to live lives of focused adoration upon God and the birth of Jesus. Points to that. It's a worthy birth. It's worthy of focused adoration of the one true God. Songwriters Keith and Kristen Getty capture the wonder and the impact of the birth of Jesus, as well as the appropriate response of worship to the birth of one so worthy in their song entitled, How Suddenly a Baby Cried. I just want to share verse 1 and verse 5 as we close. They say this, how suddenly a baby cries and all forever change. As shepherds leave the angel song to find this holy place, where in her young and trembling arms a virgin holds her son, and in this child of breath divine our life has finally come. How suddenly a baby cried and all forever changed. Through history, soul by soul, have come to find his healing grace. He filled my troubled heart with peace and hope of endless worth. My voice will join the song of praise. That tells Messiah's birth. Listen, church, the birth of Jesus was a worthy birth because he was a worthy baby. This was God in flesh. This was Emmanuel, God with us. He was worthy of praise and adoration and worship. And listen, he still is worthy and he will always be worthy. 
question is, will you ascribe to Jesus all ultimate worth? Will you give Him your life? He's worthy of all of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take just a moment to reflect on this passage of Scripture, Lord, the birth of our Savior, this incredible announcement by the angels, this huge celebration of the armies of heaven, glorifying You and announcing reconciliation between God and man. Father, as we consider the investigation that the shepherds did, Father, as we, as we think about the fact that they took time to think, contemplate, Mary pondered all these things in her hearts. Father, just could it be, Lord, in our hearts this Christmas season, that we're just scrolling on past Jesus as if He's just another post. Father, just flipping the page past Jesus as if it's just another chapter that we have to read about once a year. Could it be, Father, that amidst the distractions that often this season brings to our lives, Father, that we haven't stopped to think deeply about this baby in a manger. A birth that is worthy of worship. Father, perhaps there's someone here today who never in their life have they stopped to really think about what Christ means in their lives. They know the facts. But Father, facts don't save relationship with You through Your Son. By grace, through faith in Him alone, saves. Father, perhaps there's someone here today that for the very first time, they're going to be able to celebrate Christmas in a way that brings You honor and glory because today they're going to turn from their sin and they're going to trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Father, I pray that right now in this moment You would do that as You call them. Father, I pray that they would respond in repentance and faith. In Jesus' name, amen.